Welcome to PWO. This week, I am your special guest host, the All-American, American Heel, Ben from Colorado. And sitting next to me, we have the Dean of Old School, El Hombre de Blanco. Yeah, that's me. D-White. Hey, I want to go back, though. Um... (laughs) Ben, who creates his own gimmick, Carrie Silken clearly called him the handsome guy on the end of the couch. So that is officially your gimmick from now on. You're the handsome guy at the end of the couch. I'll take it. And that was and that was your given by you know last week's uh, guest, Carrie Silken. Yeah, yes. Right. Uh, plug there. Going to our men in the box. Yes. We have the wrestling purist, Jeff Hall. Oh. Hello. We have (laughs) three guys in the box. Yeah. Uh, We have the head of talent relations, the Codfather, Ryan Coddington. Or Cod Singer. Also, some people, yeah, some people say that I'm probably the illegitimate love child of Ring of Honor referee Todd Sinclair. So. (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, our special guest this week. Special guest. You could say he is. A renaissance man. Yes. Most people know him as the voice of Ring of Honor. It is Ian Riccoboni. Wow. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Happy to be here. <laughs> we, could, we could literally introduce you for like 10 minutes yeah. from all the stuff you've done. So we'll stick with that and we'll talk about the rest of it. Yeah, we'll go ahead and you know, get out to you know, the old you know, list of Jericho from you know, WCW days. <laughs> number four, play by play commentator. Twenty seven, play by play commentator. <laughs> Twenty eight, armbar. <laughs> Twenty eight, armbar. Twenty nine, Dusseldorf superplex. Russian armbar, Chinese armbar. Oh, we're getting the fancy armbars now. Well, hey. uh, but we didn't come on this. We didn't bring you on this weekend to just talk about different styles of armbars. Uh, we've asked. We've we we have some questions for you. Uh, so. Did you actually ever want to get into wrestling or either as a commentator or as a wrestler? We know you've been a fan for what seemed like your entire life. So did you ever really want to get into the business? That's actually a great question. And the answer is yes. Uh, I played three sports in high school. Uh, ran cross country. I played basketball. I played baseball. I was, I'm about six feet tall. Uh, and I was always about 220 pounds. So Always a little bit bigger, um, always a little bit stronger, and I always loved wrestling. So I thought, you know, let's give it a whirl. And when I was 17 years old, I went to the Wild Simone's Training Center with my buddy Chris Freed, who's ended up doing a bunch of comedy stuff on cable TV and uh, all over the place. And um, he was doing a college film project. And we got in the ring, and Alpha and uh, Samu showed us some stuff. And uh, wow. they, they showed us how to take a, uh, you know, land on our backs, uh, flat back bump. And I did it, smacked my head, knocked the wind out of myself. And that's when I decided that commentary. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to say like, well, they made us do a thousand squats and about 25 in. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do the commentating thing. <laughs> no, it just, it just took one uh, one time landed on my back, I knew that wasn't for me. And um, I probably at the time I could probably keep up with the squats, I could probably keep up with the, uh, with the running and the sprints and, and the cardio part. But you know, just landing on your back once is, is horrifying. So uh, that cleared up for me. Um, up to that point, though, I've been taking journalism classes, I've been taking TV production classes in my high school. Um, I've gone to college to do um, media and communications. Uh, I did some work with NPR in Orlando. Uh, I did some MTV stuff. So over time, um, I knew I wanted to be in front of the camera. And I was always a huge wrestling fan. And so I was hoping the opportunity would merge where there would be uh, a chance to, to meet uh, both what I wanted to do and, and professional wrestling. And thankfully, uh, it ended up getting there in 2013 at the Monster Factory. Awesome. Hey, I, got a, I got a question on that. Um, so I, 
I mean, I, I did my research before, and, and I was fascinated. You're a fascinating guy. So it seemed like the, the MTVU thing, did that really, like, happen as – that seemed like almost – um, in Pitch Perfect, you know, where they have the whole uh, thing where you your first day of college, you go and you you decide what you do, and oh my gosh, this great thing happened. I mean, it seemed like that. Was it that, you know, was that type of situation? It was crazy because um, it was within a week of being on campus. I was asking a special with Bill Gates. I got to inter- ask him a couple of questions on, on MTV, and all of a sudden, I'm feeling like, man, this is going to work. This is going to happen. And I'm going to be on TV, and man, it only took a week, and oh my God, they're right in New York. It's the city of opportunity and the city of this and that. And uh, yeah, and, and I actually, that was regular TV, and then completely unrelated, I play guitar and harmonica. I got cast for an MTV, MTVU commercial uh, on Valentine's Day. So all of a sudden, oh. you know, within the first week I'm there, I a, a TV special with Bill Gates. I get on that as like a casted question member. Right. And then I, I have my whole own commercial. So I'm thinking, I mean, they're going to be on TV. Or I'm going to be this big rock star. <laughs> Not gonna, you know, <laughs> rock star didn't happen. Uh, that's okay. Um, but... You know, it was a lot of fun. I, I used to play all around New York City a lot. Uh, I played in you know, Pennsylvania, Florida, Maryland, uh, New Jersey. I tried to make that happen uh, for a long time. So uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, I, I don't know if you guys know this. I accidentally turned down a chance to open up for Lady Gaga yeah, in 2000. Yeah. <laughs> so that was uh, that's one of my biggest life regrets. When someone says, hey, do you want to open up for, uh, we got a slot, we got 15 minutes to play uh, before Stephanie goes on, you, you probably should take it. <laughs> well, in, in, re- in retrospect, though, I mean, you, how, were, how were you to know at the time that a night playing Madden wasn't, you know, more important? You didn't know that, you know. You didn't know. <laughs> Madden, Madden, Madden 2006 was way more and more important at the time. <laughs> or wherever. Yeah, you know, I had a big Chiefs franchise going. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, so I had to, I had to beef up those, uh, those, those draft picks I drafted. <laughs> <laughs> right, but you, you whiffed on Lady Gaga. That's yeah. okay, man. It happens yeah. to the best of us. Hey, I, here's another question. I'm a musician myself, and I, I gave, also gave up on being a rock, rock star. Um, but uh, just this is out of what's your current what's your current favorite guitar to play? Because I know you have more than one. We all do. Yeah, I have a 1975 Rickenbacker bass. Uh, oh, yeah. That's so I'm a I'm a bassist at heart, and that's what I play right now. Um, I have an Ovation that my dad gave me. It's a 1998 uh, acoustic electric um, pearl Ovation that I really like as well. That's kind of what I grew up playing. Um, although I'm kind of jealous of my wife. My wife has a 2009 um, Martin, which is made in Eastern Ooh. Pennsylvania, which is stone's go. throw from where I live, and and That's that awesome. is where Carrie Token lives. So uh, <laughs> my wife actually has a has a real real nice guitar that I actually like playing the most. <laughs> when you when you play that Rickenbacker, do you ever like look at the ceiling and say time to play the game and pretend that you're uh, Lemmy? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I. <laughs> I, you know, I play a lot of. Uh, I used to be in cover bands. We played a lot of a lot of Springsteen, uh, a lot of seventies rock. Um, you know, my dad. My dad actually opened up for Todd Rundgren and Head East, and okay. you know all these wow. other bands, Rick Derringer. Uh, so, you know, there's some weird DNA. Real America. Kind of drives me, and, and sometimes I, I pretend that I'm kind of back in time. Uh, you know, playing with those guys. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. All right. Sorry, I could do this all night. We'll talk about wrestling too, I guess. <laughs> uh, so you kind of got your first job in media working with Philly's uh, Nation TV. How did that kind of influence your commentary style and helping with uh, the wrestling commentary? Yeah, it, that was... That was a role where it was what I made of it. Um, okay. That's really what I learned the most from Phillies Nation. I knew I wanted, I knew I needed to get better, and I knew in order to get better, I needed reps. And at the time, um, you know, YouTube wasn't huge in the do-it-yourself content. 
Um, there wasn't a whole lot of vlogs per se. There wasn't unbox unboxing things. Wasn't a thing yet. Uh, so I knew that in order to get reps, I needed to make it myself and do it myself. So I've been writing for Phillies Nation TV, uh, for Phillies Nation rather, and that turned into a, a video blog, which turned into a TV show, uh, public access, and then got picked up on cable. So, so I wanted to be on TV, so I knew how to go get it. I had to pitch ideas, pitch story, uh, pitch beat, pitch different things. And it was really important for me to to pitch things that I like to do and was excited about. So Phillies Nation TV taught me that I had to go get it, I had to go find it, I had to create it. And then from there, it's the same in the wrestling world. Um, I've seen people that I've thought were more talented than me, that were better speakers, better looking, had better presence. Uh, but I've seen them just give up. And for me, it came down to... <laughs> Somebody's a Rick and Morty fan here. Uh, that would be the voice of God. The voice of God's ringtones. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I, I knew in wrestling, you know, there's always going to be folks that are talented, um, but there's going to be chances where you just got to outwork it. You got to outwork and out hustle, and you just got to be the best you can. You know, everybody has an opportunity to reach their ceiling and reach their full potential. And, you know, I knew that the same things I did with Phillies Nation in terms of, you know, get I, I would cover fa Cole Hamill fashion shows. I covered uh, dog yeah. events. I covered children's pitching clinics. Uh, just so I could get the opportunity to be on TV, for me, it was more important of honing interview skills and honing uh, my presence on camera and talking on camera than it was, you know, rubbing elbows with Cole Hamill, as cool as that was, or talking to Chase up So with those things, uh, it was pretty neat because I had an opportunity to, to really go get it and find it and make it my own. And the same was true in wrestling. Um, I broke in with a couple of guys who I thought were better commentators. I thought they were better interviewers. Uh, but at the end of the day, I knew I could, you know, I'd hoped I could outwork them. And I didn't want to leave anything on the table because I got to a point where I was 27. Um, you know, I, I have a day job and I knew that if I, if I was ever going to give it a shot, this was the time I had to do it. So, um, you know, by my 30th birthday, I was suddenly the host of Ring of Honor, but it was, uh, it was a wild ride. And I knew from Phillies Nation that if I just outworked and out hustled everybody, I'd, I'd have a shot. Right. Yeah. Uh, I know on Phillies Nation, you were interviewing famous Phillies fans. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite fan that you interviewed or, or, or one, yes. that went off the, one that went off the rails. I don't know. I mean. yeah. uh, the one, so my favorite was Mark Summers. Um, okay. and it's, uh, I, I still have, I still text Mark Summers and he still texts me back and I remind him who I am. And he, I know I was, you know, I'm like, Hey, this is Ian from, from Phillies nation. Uh, I, I do wrestling stuff now. Just watch Diner Shrevens Dives. You're the it was awesome because he's the executive producer. And uh, it's, it's cool. He's, he's a uh, childhood hero of mine. Uh, but then from there, uh, one that went off the rails, Blue Meanie uh, did a big splash in the corner. Uh, <laughs> that went off the rails a little bit. Uh, Tony Luke sent me home with enough cheesesteaks to feed my entire neighborhood. So that was cool. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> So um, those, those are definitely my favorite. Right. Um, I got a question for you, Ian. Um, uh, I love um, just history and backstories and everything. And I know you're a uh, Allentown PA kid, which, you know, is wrestling war royalty pretty much, you know. Billy Kidman. Yeah. I was wondering if. <laughs> Ian Rickabon. Know, just, okay. <laughs> uh, just, you know, stories that maybe like, you know, obviously uh, you had to watch wrestling. You know, I mean, I know you did when you were a kid. Just. just Maybe being in that area and being in like a somewhat of a mecca of, of wrestling at that time period. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I just missed the era where they taped TV here. Like literally missed it by the skin of my teeth. But uh, they came through Allentown at least twice a year, usually four times a year. Um, every year after that from from 86, she's pretty much the present. They come here twice a year now. Uh, and NXT comes to Bethlehem twice a year. So it's pretty much four times a year because the difference between Allentown and Bethlehem is, is like that. Uh, so 
it is an area where wrestling is top of mind. Uh, the Wild Simone's Training Center was here for years and years. It's only 20 minutes up the road now. Uh, so as a kid, uh, you know, my mom worked the, the drive through at McDonald's on South 4th Street. Uh, she met Batista. She met yeah, all the Wild Samoans. She, uh, Alpha, Samu. Uh, she would meet uh, when Rikishi came back to work out, you know, and, and get and hone the Rikishi deal. Uh, he was here in Allentown for a little bit. She got to meet him. Uh, she met Kidman before Kidman was, was a big deal. Chris Canyon uh, was another guy who trained here. So yeah. it was really interesting because you'd, you'd see and you'd meet these guys. Uh, the most interesting was Batista um, because every year they would hold this event called Sports Fest at a place called Cedar Beach, which um, is basketball courts and a big swimming pool in Allentown. Um, and the called Sports Fest. And every year, WXW, the original, the one that uh, Sam Alpha run, not the one in Germany, um, WXW would put on these huge events. And the one year they actually brought The Rock at the height of his popularity. Um, the next year they had in, man, he wasn't even Leviathan at the time. He, he was going by another name, maybe Sin or maybe something like that. I forget. Uh, but it was Dave Batista. And seeing The Rock one year and then seeing Batista, the man that would come mm. Batista next year, you could tell Batista had something. And you could tell that he wouldn't be in Allentown for long. So it's stuff like that where, you know, it's it was always exciting to, to see the up-and-coming wrestlers and then to see them on TV. Um, we all, It also went the other way, too, where we had a, we had a strong independent scene. The first Chikara show was in Allentown. Um, wow. We had a number of, yeah, we had a number of, uh, you know, all the legends would come through. Um, you know, I got to meet Sensational Sherry, Greg Valentine, Brutus Beefcake, you name it. You know, it was, wow. uh, they, they always came through the independent shows here. And uh, ECW, WCW, and WWF all came here too. So as a kid, the tickets were relatively affordable. You know, there were six bucks, eight bucks. I could say, hey, mom, uh, you know, I, I saved up my allowance. Can we go to WWF? And we'd get tickets and we'd have a good time. My mom would go to see, uh, in the early days when I was really young, she wanted to go to see Rick Rude. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then in the, the later days, she she had a thing for Ted and for Edge. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So, it, uh, I mean, my my dad, you know, my mom and dad, they always they always took good care of me, and if I got good grades, you know, I got to do fun stuff. But my dad would would kind of be you know drag his feet along, uh, but my mom would love it, man. I I can tell you, you know, as a little kid. Um, I'd give my mom a camera to take pictures. And the one time I got to meet Shawn Michaels outside the building and it's, it was pretty cool. And so we brought our camera when we got the film developed, the only pictures there were, were of the British bulldog and of Shawn Michaels. So I'm thinking in that middle <laughs> period, that's who my mom was going to see. Too. <laughs> so, uh, it, it was always a lot of fun though. I mean, uh, some of my most fond memories are driving around in the car with my mom, um, looking for, you know, the different action figures when we had some time to kill or, you know, my dad who begrudgingly kind of went along with it. He, my dad really doesn't like sports. He doesn't really like wrestling. He likes music and that's his thing. Um, you know, he would have fun, you know, we'd go to an event and then, you know, a week later, he'd say, hey, can you, you remember how big that Sid guy was? Or, oh, my God, the Undertaker was even bigger than, than he is on TV. So stuff like that would happen. It was kind of cool. So um, Allentown was incredible because we were getting the WWF at least twice a year. Uh, we would be getting WCW twice a year from 97 or 98 to the end. Uh, and then ECW came here. Uh, there was a riot, an ECW riot. I wasn't at that one uh, because everybody at my mom's work told my mom not to take me to ECW. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no. There's, oh, no. There's, yeah, no. teenagers that said, uh, hey, we know your son's into wrestling. ECW's a little too violent. Don't take him to that. <laughs> so I'm so, so yeah. you, do you never did you you never got to go to an ECW show? Uh, I went to the the one at Ag Hall, and that was in '97. Okay. Sandman and Blue Meanie. Uh, we left after Sandman and Blue Meanie, which was pretty early because my mom got a vibe that it wasn't it wasn't a good place for a man. I would have been nine or ten years old. So she got a vibe. She got the mom vibe. Probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it was yeah, no yeah, more yeah. after that. 
Your, your mom sounds like she might be correct. And, and Ian, as you can tell, we're all a bunch of sweat hogs. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was about your – I was about – 20, 27, 28 when I would go to those shows, and it was it was a little much for me. <laughs> I saw a couple of ECW yeah. shows in Baltimore, and uh, ooh, it was yeah, riot is a good. Were word. these before or after the cricket bat? No, that was before the cricket bat. That <laughs> yeah. was, no one ever used my cricket bat. I brought it to all the bring your own rep weapons matches, and nobody ever used it. Whatever. You know what's really cool? Um, in some of the ninety uh, the ninety five shows and ninety six shows. Um, if you keep your eye on the front row, uh, you'll see Carrie Silken in the oh. front row of ECW shows. And if you watch Eddie Guerrero's farewell match, he gives Eddie Guerrero a big hug. It lasts about about five to ten seconds. So that's pretty neat. That's an wow. Easter egg. Uh, uh, yeah. That's pretty cool. Is your homework yeah, assignment, everybody? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, go, go ahead, Ryan. Ryan. No, um, I was just going to say, uh, we have uh, somebody giving Ian, Ian Riccoboni a shout out in our comment section. That is one Mr. Caprice Coleman giving <laughs> Ian a shout out in our comment section. Hey, Caprice. Uh, fancy. Mr. I hope to see you soon. Awesome. We're also being told to ask you about Bud Carson's shop and museum. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, this is by chance. Um, I'm rearranging my office down here. I just actually got these from Bud Carson. I got a Bruno San Martino oh, photo. Wow. So cool, I man. got Bobby Backlund autographed uh, Ag Hall promo. Oh, uh, wow. And then I just got a, and he, he's such a sweet man. He sent me an autographed Bobby Heenan photo as well. Oh, uh, God. God rest his soul. I got that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bud, Bud is the nicest man uh, I've ever met. And when you talk about Allentown, you can't. And you talk about wrestling. Bud Carson's store was around from 1995 to uh, 2018, and wow. it was a place where, when I was little, uh, when I was nine years old, ten years old, uh, through being a teenager. I'd go in with my mom or dad or both, um, and they would just stand there with me, and I would talk to him about wrestling. And it's funny, again, you mentioned this. Again, I'm going through the going through my office. Um, I bought this. It's the first issue of Victory Magazine, uh, which oh. Jimmy Snook on the cover. I don't know if we can see that. Yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. I, bought, I bought that there in um, probably 1998. Uh, it had a $50 price tag on it. He sold it to me for $10. And that was the kind of stuff that, um, you know, he would do because he knew, you know, by 99, 2000, I had a paper route. He knew that I was a good kid. My mom would tell him I was getting good grades. Uh, so he was such a nice man over the years. Uh, he brought in anybody who was anybody uh, to the Lehigh Valley to do big autograph shows. Um, when the big event would come to the Newark, New Jersey and, and New York area, um, he would do piggyback events and have a lot of the guys come and sign autographs there. So I got to meet a lot of people that way. And uh, in a full circle moment, the first ever autograph signing I did was at Bud Carson's store shortly before it closed in 2017. So oh, uh, awesome. it was really, it was really kind of a full circle deal. And just a sweet, sweet man. Uh, um, took care of, uh, you know, great dad, uh, was a Marine, served our country. Uh, but just this warmth and kindness uh, that he had, people coming in throughout the store. Uh, I love Bud Carson, and uh, he would just let me talk wrestling. This little, I was a little tiny kid. He would just let me talk wrestling with him for hours. And when I say hours, we'd go in after school. My mom would pick me up from elementary or middle school. Uh, we'd get Subway right off of South 4th Street or McDonald's. And sure after we were done eating, camera. we'd go in. The sun would be up. We'd come out. The sun would be down. And um, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. That's the kind of guy he is. So, yeah, Bud Bud's awesome, and and he's a big reason. Him and Afa are two big reasons that that everything in Allentown uh, is still so big, and that wrestling is so big. Uh, because as you probably know, in 1983 there was a big thing that happened uh, yeah. that probably should have canceled wrestling in Allentown. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm just glad that that they were stewards uh, of wrestling. And continue to keep it going in an area that clearly, uh, clearly loved it. 
Yeah, I got yeah. that's fine. That's fine. I, I, another thing too, shout yeah. out, to, shout out to Ian's mom for just you know, yeah, you know, like yeah. loving the wrestling business. And uh, I mean, my 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 mom wasn't that way necessarily, but my grandmother was that way. And again, shout out to your mom, Ian, for you know letting a kid be a kid and you know just letting you do, do what you love to do, man. That, 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 that's cool. It definitely yeah, is. my mom. I, I, you know, as much as I joke and say that my mom wanted to go see the, you know, the, the ripped Jack dudes, uh, <laughs> you know, she, she did let me indulge. And my dad, my dad did too. Um, my dad worked a lot, worked a lot, a lot. And that's, I think, where I get my work ethic from. Uh, and I think if he ever got to sleep and if he was well rested during my childhood, <laughs> he might have enjoyed it more. Right. Uh, but yeah, my mom was the one that would take me to most of the events. My dad came with us sometimes, but. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they really indulged it, and you know, if as long as I got good grades, um, you know, they, you know, they let me go to wrestling, or they let you know let me pick out some action figures and stuff like that. Well, I got I got to follow up on that, um, you know, especially about speaking Alex, of, when did you come like, up for the idea of of you like starting up Ian Ian talks toys and all yeah. the other videos you have on your YouTube page? Yeah, that was a quarantine idea. Um, I had pitched it a long time ago to Ring of Honor, and we were we were oh, going to do it. Uh, <laughs> we had they were going to design me graphics, they were going to design me this and that, and then the quarantine happened. And so I hit up our executive producer Delirious, and he said, "You know what? Just go for it." Um, he said, "If you think you know, if you can get content," he said, "He'll he did one. It was fun." Uh, and we had Matt Taven and Jeff Cobb and. Uh, I have a season two plan with some guys from AEW, some more Ring of Honor stars. So we're gonna we're gonna do more of those. But um, I was just bored, and it was something that I knew the unboxings were happening, uh, and those are fun. And I started to do those. I started to go through my childhood stuff and pull out different things and unbox the pro wrestling crates. But uh, I knew that it was really cool when you were told. I was with someone when they were told they were getting an action figure. And I remember this look of joy on their face and I won't say who it is, but it was, it was someone special to me. And then I asked Colt about it. And I said, Colt, when you, hey, you know, signed the deal to be in the Microsoft company working. line, when you signed the deal to be the micro brothers line, that must've been the coolest thing ever. Right. And uh, he said, yeah. And so based on those feelings, um, I was able to, to, you know, I wanted to know what that felt like. And so I had to ask um, a bunch of different people what that feeling was like. And, uh, now I know because now I have a micro brother coming out, which it blows my mind. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. I think I, I, uh, obviously we aren't in the wrestling business, but but whatever you can do in the wrestling business, if you if you, if you get your own action figure, I I think you made it, Ian. You know what I mean? It's yeah, it's crazy. I mean, there's um, it's it's in support of uh, Bradbury Sullivan uh, LGBT Community Center in Allentown. Uh, so the proceeds are going to be donated to them. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be for a good cause uh, for an organization that that I've been involved with for you know since I moved back to Allentown. Uh, but yeah, it's it's surreal. I remember Ryan from Pro Wrestling Tees sending me the artwork, and it was like, whoa, that's going to be a thing. And then he sent me a picture of the final product, and I was like, whoa, that's going to be a thing. And uh, now it's actually for sale. And right. uh, there was some initial worry with the, the coronavirus and everything uh, that it might get held up at customs or there might be production delays, but it's on track uh, for June and the pre-orders are up now. So yeah, um, it's, yeah it's, it's mind blowing. I think it's going to be even stranger when it actually shows up. Ben, can you all hear us? Can you guys hear us at all? All right, well, let's uh, let's talk a little can Ring of Honor. Can we, can we do that? Oh. Can you guys hear us? <laughs> um, so, question. So, I'm, I'm gonna be honest. When when Kevin Kelly was like leaving or going, because I mean that's kind of all, all some of us guys knew, us. you know, forever. You know, I thought like, well, there's no way, like, it just like I was upset. I was, I mean, not mad, but like, you know, like man, like you know, Kevin Kelly's gone, and. I mean, you slid, not to see my approval, but you slid in there perfect and it's been seamless. And now I almost feel like um, this, this is how it always should have been. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Kevin put me in a position to win. Um, Kevin was a really good mentor. Uh, it was when I was 27. And it was actually something that Kevin said to me that I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I got to do it now. 
Um, when I met him for the first time, it was at the Monster Factory, and he said, how old are you? And I've always looked kind of younger. Yeah. I've kind of had a baby face. So, you know, he said, uh, how old are you? I said, I'm 27. And he said, you're a little too old. And I thought he was kidding. And then he shot me this look <laughs> like he was. And um, so, you know, that was kind of when I decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to show you. I'm going to make this work. I didn't know that what he had in mind was grooming me to take over for him when he decided another opportunity uh, would be a better fit for him. So it, it was pretty neat. Um, you know, it's, it's really strange. Uh, I think I've called over 150 events now for Ring of Honor, which, yeah, I, I mean, so many people associate Ring of Honor with Dave Prezak, who I love, or Lenny Leonard or Kevin Kelly, but at this point, just by volume, <laughs> there's a certain yeah. group of Ring of Honor fans that um, have, for better or worse, heard me <laughs> for the last 150 or so events uh, and 150 television episodes. So uh, it's it's really interesting. Um, it's not, I, I never would have guessed that this would have been the result. You know, I had given myself five years from when I had started to be the B team announcer and the interviewer. Um, if nothing happened in five years, then great. I got to be on TV a couple times. I got to be the B team guy, YouTube guy, DVD guy. And that would have been great. I got to do something in pro wrestling for a major company. And I would have been satisfied with that. Uh, but at about year three, that's when Kevin said, hey, you know what? Uh, New Japan called. I think Ian's ready. And all I ever wanted was to be the, if Kevin left or if Kevin moved on, uh, for them to give me a shot first. And, you know, let me sink for swim, and uh, thankfully I'm still swimming. My head's still above water, so yeah. yeah, it, oh, yeah. Was, uh, it was shocking, but uh, you know, it's I think it worked out best for everybody. Yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know how even you know from your perspective if you ever thought when you were working like Future of Honor or you know like the Women of Honor stuff that you thought that you would ever be where you were at. No, and it it. I thought I would have to go to Impact. I thought I'd have to go to WWE. Um, I thought that I would have had to make kind of a diagonal or lateral move because uh, I thought Kevin was entrenched there forever. So, um, you know, if it didn't happen, that's why that kind of had the five-year plan where if it, nothing shook loose in five years, that would have been fine. You know, I had a day job. I, I can go back to that. I can, um, you know, we're, we wanted to start a family, which we did. And so... I was comfortable, uh, you know, at that point, if nothing, nothing opened up, say, hey, you know what, it was a good shot and uh, I gave it my best. <laughs> but uh, thankfully, I've, since then, I've got to go to England a couple of times. I've got, you know, been uh, to 42 out of the 50 states. Um, so, yeah, it's just I've got to call Madison Square Garden and all in. It's always wonderful yeah. opportunities. <laughs> what we was it to, like calling oh, uh, yeah. all in and Madison Square? Nuts. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, just give me a picture of All In. Um, that event, I don't know if there will ever be anything as special as that was again. And the only reason I say that is because when I, right before I walked to the curtain, when I got to the curtain, by the time I got to the curtain, I'd seen Diamond Dallas Page, Road Warrior Animal. Medusa, uh, everybody from Ring of Honor and Impact, um, everybody who was there, you know, from uh, from AAA and from New Japan, and uh, and so Rey Mysterio, like my locker was next to Rey Mysterio's, so like that was, you know, that was kind of a mind blowing thing. Um, you know, Conan was there. There was a lot of a lot of legends were there because of the autograph signing, uh, Pat Patterson. Uh, you name it, like they, everybody who was anybody was at that first star cast and subsequently the first all in uh, or the only all in. So uh, just from the walk from the Cracker Barrel catering uh, <laughs> to, to grab, <laughs> to grab my little portfolio with my notes and my format uh, and to get Excalibur and Don and, and, you know, walk into the curtain, you know, it was just incredible. And, you know, there was, you know, at the curtain was Scott Hall and Six Pac. And so I'm standing there. I'm getting ready to go. Dallas Page pats me on the shoulder. He tells me to get him, kid. 
Uh, I look wow. up, I see this giant man. I'm, I'm six feet tall. So, you know, Scott Hall at six, five or six, six is still enormous to me. And I'm looking, and I'm looking up, uh, you know, and, and Xbox right there. And, and I'm like, wow, okay, this is, this is my childhood standing next to me. And they're about to watch this event that I'm about to call. And so that put things in perspective too. Um, it was just an unbelievable night and uh, one I'll never forget. Uh, just because the further away we get from it, it feels like it might not be possible for it to happen again. Right. That being said, I would love if there was some sort of, I don't even want to say all in two, uh, but I think that there's an opportunity with everything with coronavirus, COVID-19, mm. that a nice feel-good event where everybody kind of comes together uh, would be something that could make wrestling fans uh, get excited for and feel good about uh, in 2020. So my fingers are crossed that, you know, maybe someday we'll get there again. Uh, Madison Square Garden was a different story. Um, my wife and I, uh, we dated for a year, we broke up, but before we broke up, I bought Bruce Springsteen tickets. We were supposed to go to Madison Square Garden in 2007. Uh, so there's this whole big mental, weird, emotional thing about the garden and me and my wife and the date that never happened. And so <laughs> like for me, I went to school at NYU. That was the only thing I ever went to the garden for was Madison was for Bruce Springsteen. Um, Cause that was the one big time I spoke on anything. And uh, I ended up going with my friend, Chris Freed, <laughs> who as you can see has been just a, a great friend most of my life. And uh, we had a great time, but um, the garden was awesome because it was a place I could barely afford to go while I was living there. And, uh, you know, walking through essentially the player's entrance uh, was cool. And, you know, uh, you know, just going in and, and seeing all the pictures of everybody that performed there that lined the walls. And then on that night, uh, I was going to get to call uh, a huge event. You know, I called the Ring of Honor title match and an IWGP heavyweight title match in the same night in the building. Um, just incredible. And to see so many of my friends who never anticipated ever anticipated wrestling in madison square garden uh being right. able to wrestle in madison square garden it, it was incredible that's for sure oh, yeah. yeah we've had a chance to interview you know we've had uh beer city bruiser and brian malonis ryan nova caprice we had um, and everybody said the same thing you know about getting a chance to go to madison square garden here i have a question two questions first we go back to all in um Tell us about that moment you got to call the uh, the, the Joey Ryan's um, penis druids. <laughs> oh boy! I, I think I said it was a resurrection. I, that <laughs> yeah. Beautiful. Yes, I, I will say that I was watching that with my wife, and uh, we were actually in. We went. It was for my birthday. We were at a B, at a uh, Airbnb for because uh, I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame the next day. But she she was watching it sort of, and I was watching it. And she looked around and she goes, "Are are the are those penises?" <laughs> <laughs> yes, honey. Yes, honey. They are. <laughs> Welcome to professional wrestling. And and then so, um, uh, well, if you anything else you want to say about that, or we're we just gonna leave it at that. Or? No, I actually, uh, I actually have a lot to say about that. Believe it or not. Um, awesome. Yeah. I I was a sex educator. So when I was at NYU. Um, in order to in order to eat in order to live uh they had these positions called peer educators and at nyu i was a peer educator my specialty was uh sex health education i was a sexual health advocate so for me uh seeing giant inflatable phalluses was nothing new like, <laughs> For me, it didn't even phase me. Um, and I didn't know they were coming. There's a lot of things as a, as a commentator where if you, if, if you can fill me in, I don't want to be filled in. I, right. If there's something to be filled in with, I'd rather be surprised. And right. I, I didn't know those were coming. Uh, That's what she said. And there were certainly a lot of them. Uh, That's what she said. Yeah. And so <sighs> it, was a, it was just, it was a, it was a fun night. Uh, yeah, and so that you know it didn't didn't surprise me, didn't shock me, uh, and and I was equipped to to uh, handle that conversation as being someone that uh, had had actually seen that almost exact outfit before, 
uh, due to simple <laughs> eating problems. Uh, now, on the other thing, you say you couldn't afford to go to Madison Square Garden. How odd is it that you're now doing a podcast with someone, if you had a time machine, that could probably have gotten you into any show you wanted at Madison Square Garden? <laughs> crazy, right? Uh, yeah. Very, yeah, crazy hustled tickets there for years. And uh, he he's told the story on, on the Last Stop Pensation which we're working on uh, bringing back due to the, the remote nature. Uh, neither Carrie or I are very technically savvy, so we've figured out the setup and we've got a producer, so we're excited to bring that back soon. Uh, but yeah, he he skipped the gate, and skipping the gate is when you pay for one ticket and bring in a second person uh, to get <laughs> into the garden uh, for the first WrestleMania. So he was at the first WrestleMania. He's seen the Who there. He's seen Clapton there. He's seen... Uh, just about anybody who's anybody there. And yeah, if if there was a big game or a big moment, Carrie has either was either in the building or sold tickets for it. And so, uh, yeah, it's crazy. And that was actually the most special part of Madison Square Garden because there's a lot of people who didn't know until Carrie and I started podcasting that through all the great years of Ring of Honor, Carrie did not make a dime. Uh, Carrie ran Ring of Honor as out of the love of his heart for wrestling, uh, for something he wanted to do. Uh, you know, he wanted to make a, a great wrestling organization. He wanted to have the best from around the world come in and he wanted to pay them fairly and treat them right and, and put on something that he could be proud of. Uh, so knowing, you know, the, the blood, sweat, the energy that he put in, uh, but also the financial strain that he put on himself to do that. Uh, and then to see, the company that he kept in business long enough to get to a major company that could then put it on TV, put it on pay-per-view and get it to the place where he ultimately always wanted it to go. That was the most special part of it all was being there in Madison Square Garden with Carrie. Yeah. That's right. uh, so I think as special as all in and MSG are to commentate, at, do you have a favorite place that you enjoy commentating? at yeah uh 2300 arena uh is <laughs> uh that's the ecw arena uh mm -hmm. but honestly your call is really special too that's the building we run in london mm -hmm. and it is a little tiny building unassuming building uh, along a, a street um there's a gas station and a, and a uh, park uh, across the street you really can't tell anything is there you walk in and it's magic um it is just it's rocking there's the, the football chance the soccer chance uh they appreciate everything um, you know that the wrestlers do there's this outpouring of love and support when we go there uh so the 2300 arena ecw arena is my you know my first love that was so cool to get to call match for the first time uh but my favorite uh, my favorite arena is your call in London. That being said, uh, we did a, an event in, uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The name is escaping me right now. Uh, it was 2017. Uh, we did unauthorized there. That building was awesome also. And it had the same vibe as your call uh, with about, you know, seven rows of seats and then a balcony that, that was pretty close to overhanging the ring. It felt like it was right on top of the ring, and it gave a really cool vibe, a really cool environment. So, yeah, I would say uh, your call, Philly, and, and Milwaukee. Awesome. Okay. Um, speaking speaking of unauthorized, um, you are you are currently undefeated in in ring action. How did it feel yeah. to get back in the ring? <laughs> Um, over the quarantine, I've slimmed down. I'm not at my fight weight anymore. Uh, <laughs> having, kids, having kids put on some pounds. Um, you can tell uh, if you watch 2017 to 2019 Ring of Honor. Uh, but uh, I'm back down to 210. I'm not as big as I was. So I was probably about 235, 240 when I dropped that elbow. So I don't know if my big elbow will be as effective as it was because I'm coming down with you know, almost 30 pounds less. So it's, uh, I think I'm just going to stay retired. I know Caprice always got my back. Uh, I know Todd does. I don't know if Gary Jester does. He really only did that chop. I'm not sure. <laughs> that is. And we didn't see Gator in there, but I'm riding by with those guys. So. 
What, it yeah, seemed well, it seemed like you channeled your inner Jay Lethal there does, uh, with yes. you know that big with that big elbow drop. <laughs> you bet. I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you didn't say Quinn McKay because I think she probably has your back too. You know she does. Quinn is stronger, faster. Uh, you name it. <laughs> Quinn is actually uh, Quinn is actually a trained professional wrestler, and yes. uh, you know she. Had an opportunity at a time when when they were looking for a co-host to be part of the program. Uh, there, there was the feeling that when it was myself and Kevin, uh, that we had enough folks, myself, Kevin, and Beta Scott, uh, that there was enough folks in the mix to give a variety, so that you know Kevin wouldn't pitch to something by himself, or that uh, I wouldn't pitch to something by myself. So we had gotten to the point where it was just really me and Colton Caprice, but we were all commentators. So. Uh, Quinn, who been an excellent wrestler in, in Maryland, uh, she was kind of on the scene and, uh, you know, she was, she was scouted as somebody that could talk and, and had talent in that regard. So yeah, Quinn, uh, Quinn stepped right into the role as co-host and, uh, now we've transitioned it where she is the, the sole host of Ring of Honor Wrestling and then pitches right. it to Caprice and I on commentary. Right. And I was going to, did you, did you become like a, you know, a mentor for her for that? Because it, it, when it first, I mean, you guys have similar styles when you, first of all, um, for those of us who watch her regularly, um, I mean, is that, are you, are, is she the, is she the teacher, is she the student, you're the teacher, is that how it works? Or is it just something she just kind of went with it? Yeah, it was something that she just kind of went with. Uh, she's always willing to, you know, if there's something where we think we can do it better, she's willing to do that. Um, she's willing to, to take feedback. She's willing to give feedback, uh, which is great. And it's something where as we, you know, continue to, to do the tapings and as we continue to do the uh, broadcast together, uh, she has gotten in, in incrementally better every time. And she started out pretty good. So, uh, you know, to see her continue to get better and continue to be very good at what she does is awesome. And so, uh, you know, Quinn has, uh, Quinn has a lot of potential and a lot of talent. She's already very good. And, uh, you know, I'm always excited to see when she does some of the live things. Like she's interviewed Dalton Castle live and she's done stuff with the bouncers live mm -hmm. uh, when it is a live mic. Because I think she's even better in, in a live environment. Right. Uh, I think that sometimes when you know there's a second take, I know I hold back sometimes because I think, oh, I might get another shot. Uh, when it's live, I think that's when you find out what's what's down in your gut and what you could pull out and you know quinn has been awesome in those live situations whether it was in vegas at death before dishonor uh, whether it was in baltimore at final battle free enterprise um so she's super talented and i don't consider myself a mentor for her because she's in a, a really good spot already uh but she's somebody that's that's awesome to you know if i had you know something that's that was minor minor feedback or anything like that mm -hmm. uh, she's receptive to it and you know willing to do extra takes even you know even if i'm the one that messed up. <laughs> <laughs> um i've got a two-parter here um so just you know being that close to the action the way you are I, well i guess my first question is is um, what's your, what's been your favorite match to call or, or maybe something that, that's kind of, you didn't know that jumped on you. And I guess my, my, to piggyback off of that, um, being as close to the action as you are and watching matches and having to call them and being a wrestling fan from, you know, birth, like all of us, do you ever get caught? I mean, not caught up in the action. Cause I know it's your job to call the match and you do that ex exceptionally, but I mean, like, do you ever just get caught up sometimes like, man, like this is great or, you know, or you, you know, it went, going into it, it was just another match. And then by the time it was done, it had like a big fight feel or like, you know what I mean? Like it's the, the ebbs and flows of you just, you know, wrestling in general. Yeah. I'll start with the, the last question first. Um, that's happened a bunch. Um, it happens the most with Mark Haskins. Uh, Haskins is super talented. And it happened to me when he fought Adam Page in the finals of the International Cup in 2018. Yeah. In England, and then again when he fought Matt Taven for the world title, um, I thought him versus Matt Taven for the world championship was one of the best matches I ever called, um, and not because I called it. Not like the my call wasn't the reason it was it was good. <laughs> I just completely. There were points in that match where, you know, for years in Philadelphia, people made fun of Daryl Darren Dalton because he made a comment about the '93 World Series and feeling like he was 
literally on a different planet and he had astral projected and this and that. Um, it literally felt like I was on a different planet watching Taven and Haskins. Uh, to me, that match was that good. And so the, it tends to happen more with Haskins. Uh, Haskins has this amazing style where he can switch gears. He always keeps you interested and invested. Uh, he is just an amazing athlete that doesn't get enough credit. So, um, you know, definitely uh, Mark Haskins matches for me are the ones that jump off the page uh, and, and have kind of gotten me lost for some I haven't expected. Unfortunately, I've seen uh, I've seen a broken leg. Uh, TK Ryan's moonsault um, oh. when when we when the producer queued up the replay, um, I don't think anybody realized that he broke his leg on the initial replay and it was in slow motion so you actually saw the bone snap in half uh, oh. on the replay and the replay was much more difficult for me to watch um i actually for a half second had to look away uh because i kind of realized what was happening and that instinct was to either look away or shut down or, or both and that was my first pay-per-view i'd ever called so uh, you can imagine some of the anxiety there um the uh the bet that my Best match, favorite match. I have a couple. Uh, I really liked Taven versus Haskins. Um, there's a match from Columbus, Ohio. It was Jay Briscoe versus Roderick Strong, 2016. That one stands out uh, as just as just just a Ring of Honor style match between two yeah. guys. Uh, who are in the Ring of Honor. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. So Ring of Honor has been kind of putting these, uh, you know, kind of weekly features on, um, you know, on you know, different professional wrestling talent. Um, they've also been doing a lot of work on on YouTube as far as like doing like three match classics. Um, and very recently you've done, um, you, you did one with Todd Sinclair where you and him went back and watched Joe Kobashi. Um, what was that like to go back and watch that, especially with somebody like Todd? Yeah, we, we talked about um, kind of the first week I was on campus at NYU. That would have been uh, that would have been the third or fourth week I was actually in New York City, and I didn't go. I didn't I didn't go to Joe versus Kabashi. Another uh, oh. one of my regrets. Um, yeah, it it's one of those things where you know I love traveling with Todd. He's one of my favorite people um, in wrestling. I love talking to him. We text. We talk about video games. Uh, we love Howard Stern. Uh, he hooked me up and pointed me in the right direction on how to watch the old Howard Stern shows from, from the channel nine days from 1990 and 91. Uh, oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so he and I built up that kind of friendship where, uh, you know, that's, that's what we talk about. And uh, Todd doesn't like to talk on camera, but we had pitched watch alongs to do content for the YouTube page and Todd actually volunteered. And I, that's unusual for Todd. Um, Todd uh, doesn't particularly care to speak in public. He, he, he gets a little shy, I think. Um, so for him to agree to that and for him to do it was, was amazing uh, because there's only three men in that ring for probably the greatest match in Ring of Honor history. Uh, and he was one of the three. And so uh, just to be able to speak to Todd, to, to realize what kind of once in a lifetime moment that was uh kabashi would get cancer shortly after that he would have to take a hiatus uh he re only recently came back and retired um and joe you know joe would go on to different things over the years he'd, he'd leave and come back but there was a finite period of time where that match could have happened and to be able to talk to todd about it was was super special so you mentioned Todd so, Sinclair. <laughs> we had Bobby Cruz on a couple weeks ago, and Bobby has uh, this thing about trying to get Todd to see him naked. Have you been caught in that crossfire? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, oh, God. <laughs> it's, always it's always in Las Vegas. It's we, we, we do Sam's Town. There's a dressing room that me, Bobby, uh, Delirious, who's the executive producer, uh, and Todd always, always take. And that's kind of like our dressing room. And that's kind of where we talk about the order of the matches and things like that. And Bobby, without a doubt, 
like clockwork, emerges from the bathroom in some sort of disrobement every time. Like, and it's and we're not talking about after the show. It's like it's like Todd and Ian come back from getting uh, PF Chang's in the casino, and Bobby's naked or. Uh, Delirious and Ian walk in after making sure the headsets work, and Bobby's trying to trying to show off. It's the weirdest thing. Uh, I don't know. I I don't know what his obsession is. Uh, I I'm not gonna say one way or another. I don't want to put Bobby on the spot uh, about what's going on down there. So I'll just say, uh, you know, I don't know why Bobby does it. It's he and Todd. I've been caught in the crossfire. It is a him and Todd thing. They've roomed, for, they've roomed on the road for years. So he's tried to do it on the road to Todd, too. So I don't know. Um, thankfully, I either room with Colt, uh, and now I room with Caprice. And uh, Colt and I and Caprice and I do not have that kind of relationship. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But it's just, you know, sometimes you, you have a long day, and uh, you just want to watch TV and not have to worry about that kind of stuff. Now, um, so what was, uh, were you involved at all in the, uh, Bobby shark incident? That's, that's somebody else wanted us. No, no, that was all Todd doing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. My dad. <laughs> uh, I think it's, I think it's yeah. I think we're, uh, getting to that time of the night here, folks. Uh, Ian, do you have anything you'd like to say? Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Um, uh, a lot of fun stuff from Ring of Honor coming up. Uh, we're not going to return unless it's safe for everybody. And that's a little different than some other organizations, but that's okay. You know, Ring of Honor's never been one to kind of conform and to do what everybody else is doing. Um, so we're we're going to be back. We're going to be stronger than ever. We had some fun stuff planned. Um, and a lot of that stuff is going to come back either right out of the gate or shortly thereafter. So when we do come back, it's going to be safe. It's going to be uh, in a healthy environment. And I'm super excited for that to happen. Um, the big thing uh, for me right now, I have the ROH Strong Shirt, which you can get on ROHProShop.com. Uh, proceeds of that are going to charity. And uh, I have a micro brawler coming out, which I mentioned earlier. And right. it's um, kind of a dream come true. There's only two commentators in the line. It's me and Jim Ross. Uh, so mm. you do a dream, uh, dream commentary team yeah, there. Right. Me and good old JR and uh, all your favorite micro brawler matches. Um, I do have the pride flag as a tie. Uh, I uh, do my best to be an ally. Um, I identify as a straight man, but there's a lot of folks in Ring of Honor around the wrestling world that identify as LGBT or Q or, uh, you know, or other. And, uh, you know, doing the figure to show that Ring of Honor is a welcoming place, that pro wrestling is a welcoming place for everybody. So, uh, you know, that's really important to me. I get to partner with the organization in Allentown, Bradbury Sullivan, to do that. And, uh, yeah, the proceeds of that are going to Bradbury Sullivan. And uh, it's cool, too, that's because awesome. I'm in line with uh, PCO and Brody King. And uh, oh, they've been travel partners for me. And so I'm looking forward. It's like I'm a, a new member of Villain Enterprises, pretty much. The way they put <laughs> oh. We're going to have heel. Don't forget it. Yeah, don't forget about you and Colt being being the uh, commentary team on you know Retro Mania Wrestling coming out in July. That's it's incredible. Um, it's so weird to have to sit on these things because the Micro Brawler I found out in December. Uh, Retro Mania I found out about uh, two May's ago at this point, or last May. Um, wow. They signed me up and had me doing the commentary then. Uh, and they wanted to make sure they, they would work before they announced that I was in. <laughs> so they paid me up front. They're great people. Uh, and they've been working on this for a long time. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And I prepped some lines for some folks that haven't been announced and that have only been announced recently, including Brian Myers and, uh, and Matt Carona. So oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's going to be an awesome game. It's on Switch. Uh, Xbox One, PS4, and PC, and it's coming out in July. And uh, it's it's incredible. You can pre-order it for Switch right now, um, and it's coming to the other consoles for pre-order when it's about a month out. So sometime next month, you'll be able to pre-order it for those consoles also. Awesome, yeah. nice. Yes. Uh, where, where can we find you? How, yes. do, how do people follow you? Yeah, 
uh, Ian, I-A-N, Riccaboni, R-I-C-C-A-B-O-N-I. <laughs> uh, thankfully, I've been the only Ian Riccaboni so far. Uh, and, and, and no one wants to... No one wants to imitate me, so that's, that's good too. Yet, so. yet, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, the thoughts and prayers of the PWO family go out to Shad's friends and family. Uh, he did just have that horrible incident, uh, so we're keeping him in our thoughts. Uh, but I think that wraps us up this week. Uh, please like, share, subscribe, follow. Uh, PWO on all of our uh, platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, mm -hmm. uh, Spotify, or I think we're on all podcast platforms except Spotify. Yeah. All right. So thank you and good night. Happy wrestling. Happy wrestling. <laughs> Happy wrestling, everybody. <laughs>